0: Over 70 of you have ordered books to join us in this study, and I'm encouraged by that. And you might be wondering where your book is. Well, it's not arrived yet. So this is not the first official sermon of the series. I call this Sermon 1A. Next week will be 1B. We will be informing you when your books come in via email. So stay tuned or call our office this morning, or I mean tomorrow morning, and, and well, tomorrow, give them until tomorrow afternoon to find out if they're in or not, and just check. Now, the first week of the Rooted series in the book is very short and very easy. And you need to have that read if you're joining us on in, in the book before next Sunday. And then like our life group is going to start this, this Wednesday night and they should have read the book if it comes in by then. But you'll be able to catch up. First week is easy, then it goes day by day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, day one, Monday, day two, Wednesday, Tuesday, day three, Wednesday, day four, Thursday. Obviously, you get the drift. And it's a five-day-a-week kind of devotional that kind of encourages and strengthens your faith. We did it with our elders. We've done it well. We're not quite finished with our elders and our church staff, and just some amazing insights and and, and amazing growth opportunities. So, if you haven't got the book and want it, great. I I follow a church, a large mega church that does, has done rooted last fall. They had seven hundred openings available, but their church of thirty thousand, and so that's only like. Two or three percent, whereas if we have seventy people reading, that's almost twenty-five percent of our congregation. And if a, a couple bought a book, that's that's quite a large, almost fifty percent of our, our our church families are involved in root, and we're really excited. You don't have to buy the book to be a part of the series, but it's just another way to help get you rooted. So the question then becomes: If you're joining us online, the question is: What if we had no roots? What if there were no roots in your life? What if your plants had no roots? Would you then be a spiritual tumbleweed? Ever think about it? What is the opposite of being rooted would be a... Let's try that again. I I like group participation. If you don't have roots, you would be a... Cool. I I happen to have a picture of a tumbleweed. Now, this isn't from our area. How many of you have seen a tumbleweed in real life, actually seen one? Probably in the southwest, wouldn't you say? We had a visitor or a guest that was transplanted to Texas, and she was very familiar with the tumbleweed. Now, do you know that most tumbleweeds are made of Russian thistle? Now, it can be other weeds and other thistles, but they are thistles. And so uh, I'll explain that to you in a second. But the interesting factoid about tumbleweeds is the largest tumbleweed known to man was 38 feet in diameter. Now that would be almost as tall as the ceiling in this room, 38 feet, almost four times the height of a basketball rim on the court. That would be an amazing tumbleweed. I wouldn't you want to see something like that. That'd be awesome. Now let me ask you this. Can you touch a tumbleweed? You can, but it wouldn't be very smart. They keep compacting and get really heavy and thick and they're hard to move and you just can't touch them with your bare hands. It would be like picking up and grabbing briars or thistles in the Midwest. So it wouldn't be very smart. You could do it. They are very prickly and sharp and require wearing gloves to move them. Now, I think there's a fascinating spiritual implication in that. The question is, are you rooted or are you a tumbleweed? And to be rooted or to root is a part of the plant that provides stability and nourishment for the plant. Roots are very, very important. The Apostle Paul has something to say about rootedness. And if you will turn in your Bibles, your tablets, your phones, to Vision chapter 3, we're going to look at verses 14 through 21. Paul writes and he says, for this reason, I bow my knees before the father. He's praying for the church at Ephesus for the Ephesians from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the spirit in your inner being. He's talking about something that is invisible that is inside of us. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Paul is praying for you. And what he's praying for, first of all, is that you would be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being. Now, he's talking about the Holy Spirit residing and dwelling in your life, that you're abiding in Jesus, and you're being strengthened in your walk in Christ. Paul is also praying Two, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that Jesus can be the center and the core, the life heartbeat, the actual pump that moves you spiritually in your life. Notice what he says in verses 17 and on. It says, being rooted and grounded in love. Rooted being a plant analogy of like a tree and grounded is a building analogy to to make your foundation in Christ that you have the strength to comprehend with the saints what the love of God is and as i've grown older in faith i have more and more the realization of how much god loves me and how much god loves you and i think that's a a turning point in, in a christian's growth is to realize how much the Father loves you, that he loves you deeply. And this is actually the, the soil that we are to be rooted in is love. The Love is the soil. It is where we get our nourishment. It is where we get our stability is in the knowledge of the love of God. And I know a lot of Christians that are concerned about their salvation that that occurred years and years ago, that they are insecure in their salvation, that God promised them that you've received, that the Spirit of God is living inside of you. And I think that's a deception of Satan that we're going to talk about a little bit today. But third, being filled with the fullness of God. Do you know that God desires to fill you fully, to strengthen you in your spirit, that your heart might beat after the the heartbeat of Christ, that you can experience the fullness of God? And then Paul ends this prayer, and he says it this way. He says, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now. You grandparents probably get this, and your parents may get this a little bit, but we have this tendency to spoil our grandchildren, to maybe overdo everything just a little bit, and to invest a lot, and then they receive it, and and sometimes they even expect more. Now, Paul, ending this prayer, he says that God wants to do even more than what we would ask for, that we could imagine in Christ Jesus in your life. That's a promise of God. That God wants to do his work inside of your heart beyond what you can imagine. Can you imagine that? Now, I want you to understand that spirituality is not something, so you can understand what spirituality actually is. Now, spirituality and this Rooted series is not about knowing more Bible facts. Now, listen, I believe the Bible is important. You need to know the Bible, the Word of God, but it's just not about the facts. There's something more than that. And spirituality is not conforming to a code of rules. I like to be in a church where I could put a pair of jeans on and wear a football jersey on NFL Sunday and not be judged. Now, I know that for most of you, that's not an issue. But for some of you, that just goes against your grain. You know what? That's okay Because there's diversity in our our faith. But it's not a conformity to a, a code of rules. Spirituality is not a bunch of exciting experiences, the next spiritual high. That's not it. It's not a recipe where you pour in these ingredients and we make this cake. It doesn't work like that. It's not mechanical like your starter breaks down in your car and you just replace the starter and then you run again. It doesn't happen like that. It's more organic. It's more relational. It's more lifelike. And productive in the sense of that God works within everyone's life who is a believer. So then you might ask the question, what then is genuine spirituality? It's two things. It's an attitude of trust. As we walk in our Christian life, it is how much we trust God with the circumstances and the events of our life. How much do we really trust that Father above, the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Do we believe his word and and believe his promises? I find that in relationships, when I, I say to someone, you know, I trust you, what do you recommend? They smile but they also know that that relationship is just deeper than superficiality. I'm trusting them to not to take advantage of me. I'm trusting them to do what they would do in that moment. And, and at the same time, that is what we are doing with our Heavenly Father. We're placing our hope and our faith, our trust in Him and in Him alone. Folks, we live in an anxious and depressed culture that has no trust in anything. And I don't know what you would do when there are things that are beyond your control if you don't believe in a God who loves you and cares about you. Do you? That has our best interests, that we believe that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You are that passage. That is you. God has called you. Not only is it an attitude of trust, it's a behavior. It's an obedience. Now, some of you are old enough to remember the hymnals and have sang the song, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be in happy in Jesus but to trust and obey obedience. Jesus said it this way, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's what he told his followers to obey, not out of a sake of just obeying some rules, but out of a relationship that wants to protect you, that wants you to have the best life ever when we obey Jesus. Paul says this in Colossians chapter 2, Verses 6 and 7, he says it this way. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. So make it a way of your life, rooted and built up in him. Again, the idea of rootedness and building foundationally in him and established in the faith. You trust him just as you were taught abounding. He's added this to the Church of Colossae with thanksgiving that you are so thankful that it abounds out of your life, the blessings you've received, all that you have. You are blessed of God. Because you see, a thankful believer is not easily led away from Christ. He goes on to say, See to it that no one takes you by captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. It's interesting. Paul talks about being rooted. He talks about being grounded. He talks about walking in Christ, living a life the way of Jesus. But then immediately, where does he go? He goes to talking about empty deception. And that's real today. I mean, you can be on social media. You can be watching television. You can be streaming something. And don't you wonder whether it's true or not? And a lot of the reasoning in our culture is based on human tradition. I know churches that are based on human tradition that are struggling and dying today. In fact, tradition matters more than what the Word of God says. And that's scary. William Barclay, the famous commentator, says it this way. He says, it was a product of the human mind and not a message of the Word of God. Be wary of human tradition involved in religion, and number two, it is based on the lies of the empty superstitions of spirit beings. Not that interesting that the Apostle Paul addresses that in the first century church, and even today we deal with that. I read, I, I subscribe to the New York Times. Don't judge me. I know how to read it. I understand what it's saying. I know. The agenda that it has, and I was reading an editorial about the decline of the church, uh, the decline of religion in America, I found it very fascinating and, and it really, that That is really going on in the United States. Christianity is blowing up in Africa. Christianity is blowing up in China. It's unbelievable what is going on in the world today. But in, in America, churches are shutting down. Pastors are leaving the churches. The, the church is in decline. That's no lie. But what I found fascinating was a a comment from a professor from Kent State that 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 said, and he added to the article something that it did not say. He said, by the way, the church is in decline because there is no historical evidence for Christianity. Uh, and that's a lie from Satan. That is spiritual deception the year is 2023. It's as simple. Why why is 2023 a significant date? Because it's in the year of our Lord, before it became common era. We mark our time and our calendar by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Are you kidding me? There is no evidence? Archaeological digs support The word of God, every time, if there's doubt, it's because it hasn't been discovered yet. That's a lie of Satan. There's all kinds of lies. And we need to be aware. Paul goes on in verses 9 through 15. He says it this way. For in him, the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. What did he pray in in Ephesians? that we would receive the fullness of God. And you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. In him you were circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh, by the circumcising of Christ, having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh, God made alive together with him. You see, God wants to give life, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. He's basically saying, if you're living in guilt and and shame from your past, Your sins have been forgiven. They were nailed on the cross. That's a lie of Satan. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. Now, the benefits of being rooted are pretty pretty, uh, substantial, and they're pretty simple. You receive nourishment for your spiritual life. Alive, healthy, and growing. There's no neutral in our walk with Jesus Christ. We are to grow. Two, there's protection from not being led astray. Not to be deceived by the prince of darkness, the ruler of this world. Third, there's stability. You're not going to be swept away like a tumbleweed. Some people do. Some people go from church to church to church. Number four, there's going to be fruit. You see, without root, there is no fruit. Tumbleweeds don't bear anything, do they? Except thistles. W. Vine says, Fruit is the visible expressions of power working inwardly and invisibly. The character of the fruit being evidence of the character of the power producing it. So the question for me comes, where are you planted? And in what kind of soil? I believe your church matters. I believe your friends matter. Your church matters because if you're in a Bible-believing church that preaches the word of God, preaches the truth, you're going to see fruitful Lives that bear fruit. Fruitful lives. Productive. It's going to be growing. It's going to be reaching out. It's not going to be a neutral. Show me your friends, your five closest friends, and you will be the average of your five closest friends. Change your friends. You will change your lives. If your friends are positive, positive, encouraging, life-giving, helping, supportive, great. But if they're negative and nasty and dark, you need to do something. Change your friends, change your life. You know, when I, when I think about spiritual tumbleweeds, what kind of fruit do they produce? They're prickly. They're negative. Do you really want them around? And if they stop and they drop seed, what kind of seed is going to grow from that tumbleweed? Thistles, prickly, negative, people you don't want to be around. You know how you can tell how deep a root is in a person's life? You can tell it by how the person reacts to difficulties, how they respond. Don't let me kid you in saying this is an easy road. It's not. It's the road not taken. Because deep roots take time. Like growing the fruit of the Spirit, you have to be rooted first. And then it has to grow. And it takes time for, for it to blossom, and to or bud and to blossom and to grow fruit. But you first have to start with the root. And you've got to wonder if... If someone is being uprooted and moving all the time, how many times can a healthy plant be uprooted and replanted and still be healthy and not harm their lives? Mark Rayless, as I was preaching this in first service, just had this big grin because he knows what I'm talking about. Proverbs, the Proverb writer writes it this way: No one is established by wickedness but the root of the righteous never be moved see our roots are in the soil of love our roots are in the Lord Jesus Christ our roots are in the word of God (sighs) do you remember just a a month or so ago the the straight line winds went through the Wabash Valley and huge hundred year old trees were knocked over you look at those trees very closely most of them just had surface roots didn't they and, and in fact, it, it's amazing when I look at Christian lives and you assume somebody who's been in church and been around, you would call them a pillar or maybe a tree, a great tree of faith, if you will. But then you see them get knocked over by, by a storm or a wind and then you realize maybe they weren't rooted and grounded in Christ. And maybe, you know, some people that you know that you think are Christians are maybe just tumbleweeds. And, and uh, uh, they're negative, and they're prickly, and they're hard to hold on to. Is that a characteristic of your life? Jeremiah shares it this way. in Jeremiah chapter 17, verse 7a he says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. Does not fear when the heat comes, for its leaves remain green, and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. What kind of fruit are we bearing? What kind of fruit is your life bearing? Are you growing? I just challenge you to get rooted over the next few weeks. Would you please stand as I pray? Eternal God, Father, we are grateful for your work in us. And Father, we rely on you to get us rooted. And Father, I don't know where our everyone is at, but I pray, Father, that they will make that one step that will draw them nearer to you, that they will trust you, that they will obey you, that they will be rooted and grounded in love in such a way that others may know Christ because of the fruit that they bear in their lives, that others will want that for themselves, that you will draw people unto you through them. And we pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.